Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Hoping you're having a very pleasant Friday. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Today we wrap up our look at an article written by Jeffrey R. Holland, who's a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, an article titled, Choose the Lord and His Prophet. And of course, the prophet that he's referring to would be Russell M. Nelson, who at this time currently serves as the 17th president of the church. He is trying to make a very strong case that we should believe that Russell M. Nelson is God's chosen vessel to lead Christ's church today. Yesterday, we went through a number of bullet points that laid out why Jeffrey Holland thinks this. Personally, now you could say, well, we're not members of the church, so it wouldn't have the same effect on us. But I still think that a lot of his bullet points were not all that great and certainly didn't prove that Russell M. Nelson is, in fact, a prophet. But today, we're going to look at an article that Eric has written dealing with some questions that we would be a little interested in knowing if we were able to have the opportunity to talk to Russell M. Nelson, what kind of questions would we want to ask? Now, there's certainly a lot of questions that we could ask, but let's go through some of the questions that you have in this article. And where can people find this article, Eric? Yeah, and then go to mrm.org slash questions for Nelson with hyphens between questions for Nelson. And uh, this was an article that we did a few years ago and talked about on a radio show, questions for Thomas S. Monson. So the idea is not new to us. But with this article that I read from the June 2022 Leahona magazine about um, Russell M. Nelson, boy, I sure would love to have him sitting in the same room and answering the questions at like a press conference. One question that I ask is, in 2018, you made it clear that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints should not be called by nicknames such as Mormon or LDS, and that the religion should not be referenced as Mormonism. You said that Jesus is not happy when these terms are used. Do you believe this was Jesus' view before you made this policy, or did he come up with this rule out of the blue? And then I have a follow-up question. If these terms should have always been considered wrong, do you think previous leaders, including Gordon B. Hinckley, were in error by encouraging these nicknames? Those are some good questions. In fact, that does fall in line with one of the bullet points that Jeffrey R. Holland gave when he said, and one of them, he has asked us to restore the correct name of the church. I think that's a great question, because when that came out, what it made me think of is, well, if this is really upsetting Jesus, and this gives a victory to Satan whenever the phrase Mormon church is used, and you could even extend it, I guess, to the term Mormonism or referring to yourself as a member of the church as being a Mormon instead of LDS, which was pretty common up until that time, then when did this all of a sudden happen? 
I don't believe if Jesus is God that he comes up with new ideas, that he's all of a sudden upset one day and he wasn't upset about that thing the day before. That just doesn't sound like the God I believe in. But it does seem like there's a problem here, especially when you have leaders like Gordon B. Hinckley having no problem with referring to the church as the Mormon church, though I know he probably would not call it that in any type of official capacity. It's just that Hinckley recognized that the official title of the church is very long and cumbersome. And that was pointed out in 1990, because in April of 1990, Russell M. Nelson, as an apostle, gave a talk about why we really shouldn't be using that term Mormon. And then in the general conference in October of 1990, we have, it seems to be a response from Gordon B. Hinckley, and basically saying it means more good. So Mormon is not a bad name. So it seems like there might have been a little bit of conflict even way back in 1990. It makes you almost think that that Russell M. Nelson didn't think the word Mormon was more good, which means he would be in conflict with Gordon B. Hinckley, who at that time you could say was his superior, because he was. Question number three, do you believe the lands where the Book of Mormon took place are in North America, which is called the Heartland Model, or do you believe these are in Central America? And then a follow-up question, why does your church not come out with a statement indicating which theory is the best possibility? Now, we've talked about this before on this program. One of the reasons why I think the church won't come out with an official position on where the Book of Mormon lands are located is because of the division it would cause in the church. We know that there are a number of people who firmly believe, very sincerely believe, that the Book of Mormon lands were down in Central America, around the Nicaragua, Guatemala, and that area down there. And then you have a lot of very sincere members of the LDS Church, including guys like Glenn Beck and Rod Meldrum, who feel that the Book of Mormon Mormon lands were located more in North America, in the area of the United States. Both groups tend to look down on the other group. They don't see it as a compromise to say it could be both. And so to come up with an official position, and it's not that the church hasn't sometimes hinted in a certain direction, because they have. But when they hint in a certain direction, that doesn't have the same power or authority to a member. If the church leadership, and in fact, Russell M. Nelson would come out and say, hey, we do believe it was in Central America, that means Rod Meldrum and Glenn Beck would have to change their tune and quit talking about it as being up in the area of the United States. Because to do so then is to now speak against what the leadership has decreed. To allow this controversy to continue, it seems like if you do have direct connection with God, that God would want us to know exactly where these things took place. Well, some might argue that it could be in both. In fact, there used to be a popular idea that it was a hemispheric model. I don't hear too many people talking about that anymore. That was something that was more in the early years of the church. But now you have scholars, for instance, that support the limited geography theory of putting the Book of Mormon lands in Central America as saying, no, it had to be in this area and it cannot extend beyond that area. I don't know what Rod Meldrum would say on that other than, well, it has to be up in the United States area and this is why. And he lists his bullet points of why he thinks his position is true. But they do tend to conflict. 
This question comes from one of the bullet points that we read yesterday, and it says this. You seem to be surprised at the April 2020 General Conference when in your opening talk you said you stood, quote, in an empty auditorium, end quote, and, quote, little did I know that speaking to a visible congregation of fewer than 10 people would make this conference so memorable and unforgettable for me, end quote. It appears the COVID pandemic took you by surprise. Does that mean you were given no indication as God's prophet that this crisis would shut down the world, including four different general conference public gatherings, for about two years? And then the follow-up question, why did God seem to give such specific information about upcoming catastrophes to the Old Testament prophets, including Isaiah and Jeremiah, but apparently not to modern prophets? I I think that's a fair question. I mean, the COVID pandemic was probably the biggest catastrophe that we have seen in modern times. Now, you might argue that the government made that even worse than it probably could have been or should have been. But still, we had the 1918 epidemic that came out with Spanish flu. Do we read anywhere of the LDS leaders knowing something like that was going to happen? That seemed to have caught them by surprise. The 1929 stock market crash seemed to catch the LDS church by surprise. Were they really preparing their members to get their money out of the stock market lest they lose a lot of their their investments? I don't recall reading anything about that. So a lot of these big issues in modern times They seem to have been caught unaware when a lot of these huge things happened in our culture. And it seems like Russell M. Nelson is no different. Question eight. You have now announced 100 new temples in just five years, a record for such a short amount of time. In fact, you have been the president who has announced more temples than any previous president. Some you are building seem to be redundant, such as the one in Ephraim, Utah, when another temple is only a few miles away. The total population in Sanpete County is only 30,000. Why are you building temples at such an unprecedented rate? And then the follow-up, when do you think you will have enough temples to meet your needs? That's a great question. I, I personally think the one reason why Russell M. Nelson has the ability to announce and start constructing so many temples is because he has the money to do so. If the church did not have the financial resources that they do, it makes you wonder, would they still be announcing these things and trying to squeeze it out of the people in order to build these edifices? Probably not. But he has a huge monetary resource to pull from, so much so that building these huge edifices are probably not going to put much of a dent at all into what they have in their monetary reserves. Question nine, you have said you believe that you get revelations from God at night. Could you please explain the process of how you receive those revelations? And a follow-up question, since your church possesses the seer stone used by Joseph Smith to translate the Book of Mormon, have you ever used the stone yourself to see if God could speak to you through it? If not, why not? I think that's a fair question, because there's a story in Mormonism of an individual trying to do what Joseph Smith could do, and he couldn't do it. Well, if Nelson can't do what Joseph Smith did, let's say in using the seer stone, then wouldn't that show that maybe God isn't working through Russell M. Nelson the way Latter-day Saints feel that he worked through someone like Joseph Smith? Now, to be fair, we don't see Brigham Young trying that either, or John Taylor, But yet again, we don't find them coming up with a lot of these far-fetched revelations like Joseph Smith. In fact, Brigham Young made the comment that he wasn't really given to much revelation.
regulation, that he, he lets Heber C. Kimball take care of that or something like that. Still, you would think that if this is the way God really operates, why wouldn't it work the same for someone like Russell M. Nelson? One more, Bill. Number 10, you were married to two women for both time and eternity in your life, Danzel White, who passed away in 2005, and then Wendy Watson, whom you married the following year. I'm guessing you expect to see both of them in your celestial kingdom. If so, when you get to this kingdom, how will you prevent showing favoritism of one wife over the other? And then a follow-up, would you be open to adding more wives in your next life? Now, what's interesting about that question, though, Eric, is when you go back and you look at a guy like Brigham Young, he didn't care if he showed favoritism for one wife over the other. Didn't bother him in the least. That's the way he kind of looked at his wives. And of course, Mormonism has to be true for him to be with both wives to begin with, which of course I don't believe it is. And I can only assume that before Russell M. Nelson married Dancel White, that they probably understood each other that plural marriage was certainly a possibility should she die. And I wouldn't doubt it if she had already expressed that she wouldn't have a problem with that. Now, that's not the way a lot of young Latter-day Saint women believe today. They fear that idea of celestial polygamy, that should they die at a younger age and their spouse find another woman who has not been sealed for eternity to another male, that their husband could in fact be sealed to that individual and have both she and this new wife be shared throughout eternity. But are we to also think that maybe Russell M. Nelson, by the fact that he is a prophet of the church, would he be allowed to take on more wives? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.